Please stay tuned for important disclosure information at the conclusion of this podcast. Hello listeners, and welcome to DBRS Morningstar's inaugural podcast, The European Securitization Insights. Along with my colleagues, bringing you a variety of perspectives related to European securitization markets. In this podcast, we will talk with stock sector experts and delve into details of our chosen topics. I am Madasa Chowdhury, Head of the European Structured Finance Research at DBRS Morningstar here in London. And today I'm joined by Kathan Tucker, Head of the European RMBS and Cover Bonds team, and Andrew Lynch, Vice President in our European Surveillance team, both also working out of our London office. Today, we will be talking about UK RMBS transactions, outlook for the UK housing market, and more specifically, the changes that were made in our rating methodology towards the end of the last year, reasons for those changes, and what is the impact on current rated DBRS Morningstar transactions. Let me start with Katen. Hello, Katen. What were the key changes to methodologies and what was the thinking behind those changes? Uh, thanks, Modessa, for the question. Yeah, so I think, uh, well, uh, we, we, we review all our methodologies at least once every 12 months. And the UK update in September 22 was part of that annual review cycle. Uh, there were really two key updates that we made in, in that review. Both were related in a way. Uh, the first one was changes to the house price indexation. So in our inside model, we give credit to house price indexation and the update that periodically. The last review before this was in 21. And at the time, our house price index went up to Q1 2020. Uh, as you can notice, this also happens to be the time when at the COVID pandemic started. And then there was a significant rise in house prices. Now, we decided initially not to give credit to house price indexation uh, post-COVID because there are a range of outcomes possible from the COVID outcome, some very negative, uh, which could be, for example, if there was wide-scale business failures, unemployment increased, uh, to some very benign ones. And uh, it was only clear later on that the, the, that the house price growth that we have got uh, was more sustainable. So in the 22 update, we, we increased the house price indexation to end of 2021. Now, between Q1 2020 and end of 2021, the, the house price in the UK increased on average by about 16%. So in our model, the, because of this change in indexation, uh, the loans benefited from uh, an increased house price credit. Uh, when we update the house price index, we also update the market value decline. So that was the second change. So at the same time, we, we changed. So the, the combined effect of both the house price index and the market value decline was that the, the, the total expected loss and stressed losses was, were lower than what they were before. So yeah, I think that's a summary of the key changes. Thank you, Ketan. And Andrew, can you please provide us a general overview of our rated UK RMBS portfolio and how it was impacted by the methodology update? In terms of a general overview of our UK RMBS portfolio, in the UK, we rate a mix of RMBS rated by pools of both prime and non-conforming assets, as well as legacy uh, pools and new originations across both owner-occupied as well as buy-to-let. On top of that, we also rate a small proportion of transactions collateralized by second lien mortgages, as well as a few with commercial real estate exposure. 
As a direct result of the methodology updates, we took positive rating actions on 21 UK RMBS transactions, which is the vast majority of our UK RMBS portfolio. These rating actions were routinely between one and three notches, with some instances of larger multi-notch upgrades as well. Typically, these were towards the bottom end of the capital structure, where rating levels are typically more compressed, as well as on excess spread notes, which had benefited from structural improvement due to sharp paydowns, as well as the reduction in market value declines and updated house price indexation. Thank you. And where did you see the most impact and why? So just to reiterate, the methodology update had two main components. Uh, firstly, the update to our market value decline assumptions, and secondly, the update to our house price indexation to reflect data through the fourth quarter of 2021 compared to its previous cutoff where it was the first quarter of 2020. Generally speaking, our updated market value declines are significantly lower, which resulted in reduced loss severity assumptions for us at all rating levels across our UK RMBS portfolio. One additional minor effect resulted from the relative size of the market value declines between the different regions in the United Kingdom. For example, prior to the methodology update, the three areas with the highest MVDs were London, Yorkshire, and the Northwest. Following the methodology update, our highest MVDs were in Northern Ireland, London, and then Yorkshire. This led to some minor rebalancing of our analysis of those transactions, which feature revolving or pre-funding periods, where we typically look at the pool on a worst case basis. Secondly, with regard to updated house price indexation, the effect of our UK RMBS portfolio is generally smaller uh, and yes, less uniform between transactions. House prices in the UK increased between 15 and 20%, depending on the region, over the two years leading up to the fourth quarter of 2021, due to a number of different factors, uh, primarily the combination of demand-side market dynamics, such as increased savings and demand for more space in the wake of COVID, along with government initiatives, such as the stamp duty holiday in mid-2020. This would typically have a significant impact on loan-to-value ratios, with reductions in loan-to-value driving both a decrease in our default rates, as we view borrower leverage to be a key driver of propensity to default, as well as reductions in loss severity. However, to be more specific about the impact of house price indexation on our UK RMBS portfolio, reductions in loss severity tended to be more significant in our seasoned portfolios, and smaller in deals collateralized by a large portion of recent originations that had not been around long enough to benefit from the full extent of house price rises over the period. With regard to reductions in our default rate assumptions, we tended to see the most impact in portfolios with relatively high LTV, with low LTV portfolios seeing more marginal gains on this front. Our positive rating actions also tended to be larger for those transactions with a history of strong asset performance, as well as those which had experienced recent structural improvement, such as increased credit enhancement, driven by prepayment and refinancing behavior. Thank you, Andrew. And this concludes our first part of the podcast, where we were going to reflect on the methodology update and the impact it had on our rated transaction portfolio. All the related research, including the methodology and the press releases can be found on our website, dbrsmorningstar.com. Now move to the second part of the podcast, which was to give you an overview of the housing market and specifically in the UK. So Caitlin, starting with you, what is the general outlook for the UK housing market? Yeah, so I think uh, if you look at what's happened to house prices since the COVID pandemic, uh, as of end of uh, September 22, uh, roughly house prices are about 25% higher than at the start of the COVID pandemic. Now, this is phenomenon of rising house prices since the COVID pandemic is not isolated to the UK. We see this in many 
European markets, and in some cases, we have seen even higher growth than, than the UK. Uh, I think a number of factors came together for this. I think Andrew already touched upon them, but I think we, well, there was continued availability of mortgage credit and rates remained really low. So there was not a pullback, lenders were not really concerned or pulled back on lending. It happened, there was significant amount of government support, whether it was from stamp duty, holiday or furlough scheme, where uh, which made unemployment remain very low. So in fact, for many people, their incomes were unaffected, but their expenses reduced as they were spending less on traveling, entertaining, eating out or going on holidays. So people, some people had uh, kind of more money. And also when you're working from home or studying, the children are studying from home, you appreciate a bit more space. So people also wanted to get bigger houses. So essentially the, all these factors were very supportive to house prices. More recently, as again, everyone probably knows, the, the, the things have changed. Inflation has started to, to increase. And as a result, interest rates and especially mortgage interest rates also have started going up. We published an outlook report uh, in January where we touched upon uh, this aspects. And again, this is not something unique to UK. We are seeing this in other countries as well. Uh, we think to an extent that the UK is probably more exposed than some other countries because UK is a very, it's pretty much a floating rate market or a short term fixed rate market, which means that rate rises affect borrowers much more quickly than some markets where you're very long term fixed rates. Secondly, the Bank of England also started increasing rates before the, the ECB, and we are expecting the peak uh, rate for bank base to be higher than the ECB rate, so the, the, the increases are bigger. And also the level of inflation in the UK is also higher. So I think in, in short, it's, uh, I, the, the, there's an affordability issue for borrowers in the sense that the costs are going up, whether it's your energy bills, your food bills, or your mortgage rates. And while incomes are increasing, they are not, they're not increasing anywhere close to the rate which keeps up with all this increase in costs. So we expect this, uh, th that the gains that we have seen, about 25% during COVID, some of them will get reversed because of this. Uh, and we see this phenomenon in actually other markets as well, whether it's Europe or other. I mean, Australia, for example, increased, started increasing interest rates before the UK. Sweden started increasing interest rates before the UK. Canada has started increasing interest rates in all these markets. We already see the same phenomenon that house prices increased rapidly during COVID times, and then we are starting to see some, some amount of correction. Uh, I would finally, I would just say that we probably expect more of a correction rather than a crash. And that's mainly because there are still quite supporting factors. There is still good demand uh, for housing. There is not an oversupply of housing. So overall, we think we are going to see house price correction, not just in the UK, but also in many other European markets this year. And relatively speaking, compared to the other European markets, do you feel the UK is um, somewhere in the mid-range or is possibly towards the top end of uh, uh, the correction? Uh, we think more towards the top end uh, and mainly because of the factors I touched upon with the fact that uh, many of the European markets, I mean, if you see, for example, Netherlands is a good example. Uh, well, they have seen a bigger house price growth than, than the UK but most of the loans are long-term fixes. So while the new mortgage borrower is affected by the rate rise, existing borrowers are less affected. Uh, whereas in the UK, you have completely variable rate uh, market or people kind of reset within two to five years. So I think we think the impact would be greater in the UK than many other countries. Okay. 
And let me bring you into the discussion, Andrew. So how does that um, tie in with our performance expectations for UK RMBS deals going into 2023? In terms of our expectation for UK RMBS and general predictions for performance of the sector going forward, so really this is a two-part question. So first of all, with regard to asset performance, our general view is that at least some level of performance deterioration is unavoidable due to the level of inflation in the UK and what this means for mortgage borrowers in terms of rising costs of living. In our view, this is likely to filter into increased delinquency rates. Now, with regard to rising interest rates and what this means for mortgage costs, borrowers are likely to be insulated to some extent, at least in the short term, due to the prevalence of fixed rate mortgages in the UK market. At the moment, we have about 90% of outstanding mortgages on a fixed rate. And generally, the trend in the UK has been towards longer term fixed rates in recent times, with the majority of outstanding mortgages currently on a five-year fix. What this means is that most borrowers will not have seen any immediate change to their mortgage payments following the recent rises in the Bank of England base rate. Now, that being said, around a quarter of outstanding mortgages in the UK are scheduled to come to the end of their fixed rate period by the end of this year, which is likely to lead to a significant increase in their monthly repayments as they move on to their lender's variable rate. However, this is counterbalanced by the fact that many of these borrowers will have benefited from equity buildup following years of house price growth, which may allow them to refinance their mortgages at the lowest rates available, as long as they can meet affordability requirements. And on top of that, testing borrower resilience to rising rates has been a key part of mortgage underwriting in the UK for some time. As a result, it seems likely to us that the rise in arrears should be relatively modest, provided that unemployment rates remain low. Additionally, even if delinquency rates rise to some extent, it seems unlikely that this will result in a significant rise in repossessions. Although repossessions have been rising in the UK in recent months, this has generally been due to a backlog of cases making their way through the courts following the possession moratoria rolled out during the COVID pandemic. In our view, lenders are likely to revisit the approach they took during COVID, where arrangements to pay and other forbearance measures were applied to a significant degree of success for both lenders and borrowers, and they will therefore elect to pursue options like this again. The second part of the question is what does this really mean for RMBS performance? Generally, our view is that UK RMBS ratings are relatively well placed to weather a degree of performance deterioration due to sufficient structural protections in most SPVs. For example, through existing levels of hard credit enhancement in the form of either subordination or cash reserves, but also through mechanisms such as interest deferral on mezzanine and junior notes which serve to temporarily reduce the structure's liabilities during periods of stress, as well as protecting against basis risk, which is exacerbated by the rising interest rate environment. Now, as the cost of borrowing becomes more expensive and weighs on demand, as Ketan has mentioned, the expectation is that house prices are expected to decline somewhat. And we have already seen some evidence of a correction in asking price data at the start of the year. However, as we have only elected to index our house prices up to the fourth quarter of 2021, which is somewhere in the region of seven or 8% below last year's peak in the third quarter of 2022, we expect that our rating should remain robust with a level of house price depreciation already built in. We are also somewhat more conservative on certain sectors, such as buy-to-let, where it remains to be seen how sustainable it is for landlords to pass higher mortgage costs onto their tenants, as well as certain non-conforming or adverse credit portfolios with high portions of high LTV or interest-only mortgages, which we view to be more susceptible to refinancing risk. However, our analysis and ratings generally capture risks like these. Thank you, Ketan and Andrew, for sharing your views with us. And audience, thank you for listening to us. If you have any questions or any particular topic 
you would like us to cover in the future, feel free to get in touch. Details are in the show notes and individual analyst details can be found along with our latest research and methodologies on dbrsmorningstar.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a review and share the podcast, European Securitization Insights, with a friend or a colleague today. By downloading and listening to this podcast, you are agreeing to the DBIS Morningstar disclaimer and legal terms and conditions found at dbismorningstar.com forward slash about forward slash disclaimer and dbismorningstar.com forward slash about forward slash terms and conditions, including that the information provided is not investment, financial or other advice. DBIS Morningstar will not be liable for losses arising from your use of the information. Please note that the content of this podcast is intended for European audiences only.